0: Testing 1, 2, 3. Testing 1, 2, 3. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Radio Free Mormon goes to Sunstone. As most of my listeners are already aware, I was invited to go to the Sunstone Symposium and make a presentation there on August 2nd, 2019. Tonight I'll be playing the recording of that presentation. But before I go to the tape, I want to thank Lindsay Hansen-Park, the Executive Director of the Sunstone Symposium, for her gracious invitation to me to go down there and make a presentation. I also want to thank Robbie Stone, the moderator of my presentation. Robbie Stone not only did the initial introduction, but he also did a lot of setup work involving a large screen that was up there on the stage where I was sitting. And I was sitting in a chair behind the screen during the entire presentation. Robbie had also gotten a shop light to put behind me, so what it ended up looking like from the audience was a large white screen with my shadow thrown up upon the screen. And that is how I presented at the Sunstone Symposium in order to preserve my anonymity. And you need to understand what it looks like to the audience in order to be able to understand a lot of the things that are being said in the recording. Some comments will make no sense whatsoever unless you understand that I am sitting up there behind a screen. But because of the screen, not only could my audience not see me, I could not see the audience. So you need to understand that in order to make sense of a lot of the other comments I'll make where it sounds like I'm totally blind up there because I'm totally blind up there. Then at the end of the presentation, we pull down the screen and I reveal myself for the first time to the audience. I also want to thank the wonderful family that invited me to stay in their beautiful home in Park City over the weekend. I was so touched by that courtesy and that kindness. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. And last, but by no means least, I want to thank all of the people who came out to Sunstone and attended my presentation. I was sitting behind the curtain while people were coming into the room, and so I could not see how many people were present. I didn't know if there were one, two, three, or more, and frankly, I had a fear in my mind that What with seven other presenters going on at the same time, one of whom was Sam Young just down the hallway, that maybe there would only be a handful of people who were present. If it was only a handful, I would have been more than happy. But imagine my surprise when I'm sitting up there behind the curtain and at 3.35 p.m., 10 minutes before I'm scheduled to go on, I get a text from my daughter who was in the audience saying, it's a full house. I texted back, no way. And she texts back to me, yep, more flowing in. It ended up being a full house, a packed room, standing room only. Thank you to everybody who attended. And after the presentation was over and I had revealed myself to the audience, I had the pleasure of going out into the hallway and meeting a number of you and taking some time and chatting with you. This was one of the thrills of my lifetime. I cannot thank you enough, and I only hope that you had a good time, too. Okay, that's enough of the introduction. Now it's time for the recording of Radio Free Mormon's presentation at Sunstone, August 2nd, 2019, 345 p.m., Mountain Standard Time. Play the tape.
1: All right, everyone, if I can have your attention for a brief moment, and then we'll get to the show. Um, Today, this is the session 267, titled Radio Free Mormon, Broadcasting Behind Enemy Lines. And before we begin, just some housekeeping rules. Just uh, please silence your cell phones. Um, the session's being recorded, and you'll be able to purchase it after the pre- presentation ends at the registration desk on the main floor. We encourage you to purchase other Sunstone merchandise or make a donation to Sunstone to help support these amazing events, and your donations keep the organization going. And uh, we definitely need it, so please become a member. And support Sunstone. So it's 60 minutes long, and we ask both the audience and the presenters to keep within the timeline and the framework. And uh, so, for the first time, Radio Free Mormon will personally meet his listeners and others who want to ask about anything and everything that is happening behind enemy lines. So, I, hear, I present to you Radio Free Mormon and Bill Real. <laughs>
2: Ladies and gentlemen, how are you guys doing tonight? Awesome. awesome. It's been a last. Uh, the last couple of days have been interesting, right? For those who are kind of following kweku and all the stuff that's going on there. Um, Bill Real from Mormon Discussion Podcast uh, with RFM on the other side of the veil here uh, with Radio Free Mormon. <laughs> what we wanted to do, uh, RFM reached out, and I'll and I'll ask you here in a second, RFM, if you have got any thoughts before we get started, but. Uh, RFM reached out to listeners to ask if they had any questions, things that he could answer, things that he could address, and we may tackle some of those today, but we wanted to give a priority uh, to you, and if any of you here had questions, to raise your hand, come up, we'll have you just ask maybe the question in this microphone, if that'll work, yeah, that'll and, and then... RFM here would be happy to, to answer those. Um, before we start, do you have anything you want to you wanna say to the folks who are
0: here? Testing, one, two, three. Testing, one, two, three. This is Radio Free Mormon on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. <laughs>
2: Believe we'll keep it. You want it, up. We're it we're up. down? Let's keep it up, for okay. now. We're it up for now. So for now, we're going to keep the veil up. We're still trying have, to. De- I'm gonna
3: turn on the lights then.
2: Okay? okay, we're still trying to decide whether you get to see him or not. And, and a lot of it's going to depend on your guys's participation today. So maybe just before we get to a question, just a real quick. Uh, Rfm, how long have you been doing Radio, uh, radio Free Marvel?
0: Believe it or not, it's going to be three years in just a couple more months
2: love it. Three years. And, and I think, I think bar none, I think Radio Free Mormon is the best podcast in Mormonism. Um, that's my two cents. When, when RFM and I talked originally, it was, I told him, I said, I think you can do this thing. Uh, and we sat down for a few weeks and talked about what it takes to record, to edit. Uh, RFM puts a ton of time and energy into recording editing publishing his episodes we're talking maybe 20 hours sometimes per episode to get it out and so I hope you appreciate the the product that he puts out in the end I think it's fantastic we want to open it up to QA. and a
0: you're good with that right I will say a few things first while these cues are getting handed up here for me to a bill real has been so great uh, for me personally I know nothing and less than nothing about technology he was so supportive to me to teach me how to do podcasting how to record and thank god how to edit <laughs> the first time yeah unaccustomed as I am to public speaking i never ever thought that i would have a difficult time podcasting once i knew how to do it but i went down to the office the underground bunker saturday morning to record the first episode, which I think was uh, hiding church history, had to do with Boyd K. Packer's talk, The Mantle is Far, Far Greater Than the Intellect. And it took me actually some time after doing that episode before I finally realized that all he was saying was, in much more flowery language, the same old thing, when the leaders speak, the thinking has been done. It's exactly the same sentiment. The mantle, i.e. the prophet, is far, far greater than the intellect, i.e. your brains. So when he speaks, the thinking has been done. Anyway, I sat down. I was ready to record. I had done a lot of research on this. I had copied it out. I had highlighted. I had, oh, everything. And I hit record, and I just cannot get one sentence out. I am blathering, and I I keep stopping. I keep stopping, I keep erasing, I keep going back. I had this idea in my mind. By the way, I do need to apologize to you today that you are getting the unedited version (laughs) of Radio Free Mormon, because Bill and I talked about this, and we thought, how can we come up with a way we can edit what I'm going to be saying here, and it just didn't seem to be workable, did it? Not feasible. No, but I actually, I was there for two hours. I was there for over two hours, and I had nothing recorded and I was actually in tears because I could not do this uh, they were tears of frustration I think more than anything else and I called Bill and I told him what was going on and I was what what was my demeanor like that morning bill uh, you were
2: you were uh, deflated um, you were concerned that this may not just may not work
0: yeah but Bill you know what bill told me he says don't erase anything edit is your friend I had never edited before so he taught me how to edit and it took an awful lot of editing by the way if you go back and listen to that first episode I'm very proud of the fact I think I have more edits in that than have ever been put in any (laughs) podcast of any sort ever even the pauses were edited out even the pauses were you can hear all the little clicks where I'm editing to. And it sounds, I edited so tight that it sounds like I took one big breath at the beginning of the hour <laughs> podcast and I never stopped once to inhale. That was it. So, anyway, so I just wanted to uh, express my appreciation to Bill Real for his support, without which Radio Free Mormon would not have gotten off the ground. Perfect. So with that, we oh, can did. I say something oh, else? Please, it's your show. I have got all these ideas here, and um, precious little written down. But uh, I have up, I think, about four lectures from thirty years ago. Defender of the Faith, Radio Free Mormon, Defender of the Faith. Has anybody here listened to those? I know they may be painful, <laughs> but it was incredible that I was able to get those that I even had them for crying out loud, that I had recorded them, that I had kept them, and then I, I found them. I blew off the dust, and I called Bill one morning, and I said, hey, Bill, I found these things. Is there any way that you can take these cassette tapes from 30 years ago and get them into some kind of format that they can go up on the podcast? And he said, well, yeah, let me Google this. And he did, and he found it, and he showed me, and so we got it going. Anyway, I wanted to ask you, for those of you who have listened, have any of you here noticed... The regular cooing throughout of a little baby. And the one, the most recent one, I'm not sure if it's gone up yet, but that it's not such nice cooing, uh, that the baby is not in such good shape. But that baby is here with us today, unless she's run out. Uh, that's my daughter Sylvia. Sylvia, are you present? Can you stand up for everybody? Please. That. That is Sylvia, the little baby, who uh, somehow got subjected at a very tender age. She's not even one yet. To um, 12 hours of institute class on defending the faith (laughs) back in 1989. We tried to say, you know, you can just go to nursery. But no, she wanted to be there. She insisted. And also present is my son, Samuel. He's present as well. He may be sitting in close proximity to Sylvia. He's here. And also, finally, I just want to let everybody know that my fiance Carmen, is also present. Carmen, can you wave to everybody? I just proposed to her last night, and she said yes. I was thinking I was going to propose to her today as a surprise, but I couldn't get over what would happen if she said no. (laughs) He thought that first episode was bad. (laughs) Yeah, there's no edits here. All right. So are there any questions? There are a few questions that are uh, common that people do ask. Um, One of them that comes up with some regularity has to do with my feelings about Denver Snuffer and Rock Waterman. I don't know if there are any. Can you show hands? Uh, Bill, is my eyes and ears here today? At least my eyes. Are there any hands here of anybody who even cares about that question? There's a handful. There's a handful? Mm -hmm. Handful of hands. Okay. Well, basically, um, I am not affiliated in any way with Denver Snuffer. I have exchanged a few emails with him. I have a more close relationship with his aficionado, Rock Waterman, who is just the peaches of a guy. And we end up talking about lots of things. We end up having a very uh, shared interest in comic books from when we were young but we have to argue about the fact that he likes DC and I like Marvel. But other than that, uh, no, I do not have any particular feelings about Denver Snuffer. I think he's a fascinating cultural phenomenon. I think that the popularity that uh, he's showing with people wanting to join him and find out about him uh, is illustrative of the fact that there is a great desire among members of the church to have a charismatic institution and leader and perhaps leaders uh, that more resemble what they are taught occurred in the early days of this church with joseph smith and i think it's obvious that they see that there with denver snuffer and they are not seeing it with the 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 leadership of the current church so i think that accounts for his popularity i know that somebody once asked me well you know, do you believe that Jesus appeared to him? Because I think all of you know that Denver Snuffer claims that Jesus has appeared to him. He's had a vision of Jesus, at least one. And I, I'm I'm agnostic on the issue. If Jesus wants to appear to Denver Snuffer, then I think that's Jesus' business.
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I don't feel it necessary to judge whether Denver Snuffer is being honest about whether Jesus has appeared to him. He's, I'm sure he's speaking in good faith. My main... Opinion is that if Jesus wants me to do something, then he has my address, he knows where I live, and he can pop in and say hello if he wants to to me so that 's basically my feeling. I also do have some family members, none who are present, who have either themselves or have married into families who are members of what 's sometimes called the remnant movement, and so um, I do have that connection as well but My feeling personally, and this is just my personal feeling, is that I have spent 40 years engaged, neck deep and more, in an extremely orthodox religion and a a high-demand fundamentalist religion. But I didn't spend 40 years leaving this one because I think I'm effectively out uh, to join another one. That doesn't seem to make any sense to me. The way I put it is I didn't spend 40 years uh, escaping from Alcatraz to turn myself in at the gates of San Quentin. (laughs) (laughs) So that's about uh, everything I have to say about Denver Snuffer. I I respect him. I respect the people who follow him. I wish them all the best. Uh, But I do not have any particular leanings that way. Have any questions shown up or anything? I don't know. So if everyone who has questions can come up to the microphone and make sure we can record them, that would be great. And no peeking around the corner.
5: Okay. Um, I am not sure I'm going to be able to thank you because it seems like you're going to maybe sneak out the back door. So um, it's not technically a question, but I might get a little emotional. So about 20 years ago, my husband did most of this research that you're sharing on your podcast. And um, about 15 years ago, he basically came to me um, and said, "I just it, it's just not making sense. I just can't be involved, um, because my husband's 110 percenter, so it wasn't a, an option to stay involved." So I didn't know any of the doctrinal. Issues And I just trusted him because I said, whatever you do, we're doing together. So we have been able to raise our four children um, in out of the faith, and it's actually been a really beautiful situation. So now you have come into the picture. Um, one month ago, we took a RV road trip, three weeks, and we started your podcasts. And by the time we circled back from Canada all the way down the Oregon coast, San Francisco, and we circled back and pulled into Utah, we had listened to every single one of your podcasts. And I said to my husband along the trip, and then in the conclusion, I said, oh my gosh, I knew it was difficult for you to learn all of this stuff, but I had no idea. I had no idea how you really, really felt in the struggle (laughs) and the dark nights. Of your soul. And so many of the things that you shared, um, like, for example, the wrong road, you know, just turn around, no problem. And you said, 40 years. How do I get 40 years back? And my husband just, like, <laughs> he's like, Yeah. I get it, I get RFM, I get it Because that's how my husband was Just studying everything, everything Just so involved, so committed So um, We Because of your podcast And because you took a risk And Bill as well And by the way, on that road trip We visited Bill in uh, St. George It was really great And it was so fun to meet him And um, anyway, because of that I have been able to like I didn't realize that I was shaming and and just isolating and we have um a home in Alpine and we just kind of kept to ourselves this last, you know, 15 years and um I we have done things very simple but very important like starting to take walks in our neighborhood again and riding bikes and I was walking down to get our mail and my neighbor was over in his garage and I would have just ignored him before your podcast because he's a member and his wife used to visit Teach Me, and I said, no, no more, no more. And I went up and I said, hey, how are you doing, Steve? And we just connected, and it was great. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for your scholarship, for your, the factual representation of what you're doing, and I know it's a lot of work, and I just want to say thank you to you and to Bill for what you've done. For me, my husband, and our family. And I've shared the podcast with many people as well. Thank you.
0: Well, you're very, very welcome. Thank you for sharing that touching story. Um, I had done a promo for this Sunstone uh, presentation where I likened it to a face-to-face It sounds like it may turn into a testimony meeting. I don't think that's so bad. Thank you very much for that. I did have a question, though. I'm sorry. I'm not not trying to make fun. I just sort of do that naturally. I'm just wondering in that long country, uh, the trip across the country in the RV, if you ever came to a fork in the road and didn't know which way to go. Okay, that's rhetorical. That's rhetorical. All right, thank you. Thank you very much.
6: Hi, RFM. Uh, this is Ethan Gregory Dodge from the Truth and Transparency Foundation. How are you? I am fine, thank you. I think I met you earlier. You did, yes. And You're so, the good-looking one. I Yes, of the two, yes. <laughs> I don't know if you could say that I'm good-looking, but between Ryan and I, I'm definitely the better one. So, <laughs> um, so anyway, I just... Um, you obviously do very important work, and I think your show is great. How I, I will admit I'm a, more of a casual listener. I don't listen to every episode. I, when I hear that there's a really good one, I'll go and listen to it, and I typically agree that it was done really well. I sometimes don't agree with your conclusions, but overall, I think your work is great. Um, and I wanted, to, um, I wanted to ask you a question.
0: Can I okay. stop you right there for a second? Yes. I'm concerned that you sound like a cafeteria Radio Free Mormon.
6: I, yes, I have a, that is a very apt description of my radio-free Mormon listening. So okay. if you want to kick me out, feel free.
0: Not at all. We embrace all kinds I'm here. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Okay. I don't agree with a lot of what
6: I say. <laughs> um, so the, um, if you remember, both you and us, we submitted a uh, grammar request for the Joseph Bishop interview. Um, and we were denied, and then we appealed to the to the police department again, and we were denied again. And then we both appealed to the state records committee, and they both um, uh, ruled in our, and they ruled in both of our favors, um, as as well as KUTV. Well, if for people following that um, the, and and reading the news articles that came out about that time, they actually like that's how I found out who you are, <laughs> right? And so I and and I and I know that this is fun, and and I I was uh, anonymous my first year. Of involvement of Mormon leaks for very personal reasons, and so I know anonymity is very important and everything. And so, and uh, so I I, and I Bill real addressed this on *Infants on Thrones* one time as well. And so um, when they asked what uh, about your on on anonymity and whatnot, and so I just wanted to get um, your your take on this. Is I'm sure a good number of people in this room do know your name and who you are. And this seems like a really fun reveal, and I think it's really cool. And, and you're obviously very popular, and the people in here love you. Anyway, I just wanted to get you, your take on that, on,
0: uh, on your anonymity up to this point. Thank you for the question. I appreciate it. By the way, everybody in this room who thinks they know who I am are all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. A lot of people think that, you know, I have a lawyer, and a lot of people think I'm my lawyer. That's one of the funny things about it. No, uh, your question, your question. Um, Anonymity is such a funny thing in this show. Now, let me peel back the curtain a little bit, metaphorically, if not literally. (laughs) You may only approach Radio Free Mormon through the veil. But the, whole, but the whole reason this started, the whole reason this started is because, as I think I've mentioned before, I had a daughter who was on a mission. And that, that's not Sylvia, by the way. This is another daughter. She was on a mission in Germany at the time. And uh, very, very faithful. Obviously, you're faithful, I, I think, if you're going to be uh, devoting that kind of time. To a mission. And I certainly was when I devoted two years of my life to a mission in Japan back in 79, 81. So she's on a mission and I am, I am who I am. I, I'm the person who's podcasting. Those are my real thoughts, how I really feel, how I really see things. And I did not want to take the chance of her somehow coming upon that uh, if I am podcasting under her dad's name, my real name, And having that somehow negatively affect her, every week I would write her lengthy emails that talked about stories from my mission or faith-promoting stories or insights that I've gained over the years into scriptures, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, everything designed to support her in her faith journey that she took and which I took, but which I'm not on exactly that same path or maybe that part of the path is way behind me in you know, behind the mountains and everything. But I wanted to support her, and I didn't want that to be something that would uh, detract from that. She has since uh, come back from her mission. There are some things, I mean, this is being recorded. I suppose if this were just this small group of us, I might be able to be a little bit more open. Uh, But we'll just put it this way, that she has been advised by someone other than myself as to who I am. And so she has uh, basically cut off contact with me. And that's been that way for, well, some period of time now. So in reality, I think that the primary and original reason for my being anonymous has sort of gone by the wayside because of that. On the other hand, it is so cool. (laughs) Because you can imagine me looking really good. And... (laughs) No, you can imagine anything that you want. But honestly, I I think that the real, uh, look, if you want to know who I am, it's not hard. Even Kwaku figured it out. (laughs) Okay? Uh, (laughs) And I I don't even know if he did. It may have been the handlers. But somebody figured it out. He he knows who I am, or at least he knows who my lawyer is. And it's not exactly, you know, figuring out what the, the grand unification theory of the universe, but... It's something. So I want to give credit where credit's due there. Um, So lots of people know who I am, but the idea behind this, and which I did notice early on, is that being anonymous and being radio-free Mormon instead of my name, which is nowhere near as cool as radio-free Mormon, but being radio-free Mormon allows me to function in the role, to some degree, you'll have to decide how much, as an everyman or an everywoman, as we would probably want to add today. But being somebody who can be you, if that's how you feel, who can speak the words that you feel, if you know how, uh, if if those are your words. And in some ways, the way that uh, people wear masks and we can then throw our own identity and our personality on them and let them lead the way where maybe we can't for whatever reason. Maybe we've got a daughter on a mission. Maybe we have a spouse, like this first question was, who apparently for years was struggling with things, but did not feel the strength or the courage or the ability to share that because of the fear of the ramifications that might follow and which do follow in too many circumstances. So I am here. Uh, I I don't think it's terribly bad for me to do this because I think it also points up the fact that, um, unfortunately, and there's a big part of me that still loves the LDS church, and it, it's created me. I am the monster that the LDS church created. <laughs> it's like a Frankenstein kind of story, but I, I, there's a lot of me that appreciates the church and I'll just close this by saying basically, cause I, I forgot where the heck I was going with that, that I generally, if people don't know about radio free Mormon, I describe myself as being, um, what is the phrase they use? It is, uh, I am to the LDS church as Socrates was to the men of Athens. That, that's a pain in the ass if you don't know. <laughs> I think the nice word for it is a gadfly. Okay, anything Did, else? Sorry, I just wanted to thank you for
6: that answer. Did it, I get around it, to answering your question? Yes, no, it was, it was beautiful. And then I, I actually, I went and sat down and I wanted to get back up here because I wanted to offer my condolences. Um for what happened with you and your daughter. I have two daughters, and that would be um, extremely hard for me. So my condolences, and thank you for what you, do, what you do. Oh, thank you very
3: much. So I have to ask,
0: is that you still? No, oh, someone different. different. Someone different. I'm sorry, I really much, can't see. Much better looking. Oh. <laughs> Ryan. Is that Ryan? No. Oh, no. is that Ryan? Okay. No. I have to
3: ask, if I knock three times, will you at least show me your hand?
0: Yes, I will, but you may be surprised to find it has only one finger.
3: (laughs) Touche, touche, well played. Hey, here's my question for you. Um, If you were to put on your, um, if you were to put on your future hat, what what do you see coming up in the future um, with the church specifically? I, I was in for 57 years, and I'm still a little upset about it, being deceived and stuff. And I'm just wondering, in your opinion, what happens over the next couple of years. And after that, um, that would, let's see, I'll, I'll leave it at that.
0: Okay. Um, any, any big, big things coming up, I guess, is what I'm looking for. No, just a lot of little inconsequential things. Okay. That will make no difference. Okay. And I'm sorry. And I, I really, although in the past couple of weeks, I, I've made some pretty good prophecies of things that actually did come to pass. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I really, I'm, I'm a horrible, horrible guesser as a general rule. Uh, I usually go by the old adage that the past is the predictor of the future. And although certainly the current president of the church is more active in doing more things, uh, doing lots of things, I see most of the things being done, not all of them. I mean, the reversal of the policy, that was important. That was very important that that be done. For whatever reason that it was done, once it, I'm glad it was done. So I'm glad it was reversed. Um, I know I, I shared that with someone who was not a member and why this was an important step. And that other person asked me, he says, well, um, so how are gays treated in the church now? Are they accepted in the church now? And I said, well, no, it's basically the same as it was three and a half years ago. And this friend says, so what is the big deal? Hmm. I get a lot of good insights from others. And then I parade them on my podcast as if they were my own. Mm-hmm. But really what I want to talk to you about here is the fact that um, this idea of the anger. The anger uh, upon understanding the deception. And my own experience has been this. That number one, um, geez, it's a lot of time. You spent more time. I think you said 57 years, was it? Yes, sir. That's more than 40. <laughs> That's more than 40 and I think there's part of me, I'll just speak for myself right now, okay? Uh, but there's part of me that number one says, oh my gosh, well, that is an awful long time to give yourself to something that you ultimately decide uh, you probably wouldn't have given any part of yourself to it if you'd known now what you knew then. So that's one step. thats I mean, that's one level. I think the uh, a more difficult level arises when we come to understand, if we come to understand, and I don't pretend to speak for everybody in this room, that this is not simply something that you kind of deluded yourself on, but that you had an awful lot of help along the way. And that help came from people that were held up to be um, the very mouthpiece of truth and of God and who assured us regularly, Either they're they're spokespeople, because even the spokespeople have spokespeople, but that they are true, they're apostles, they're they're prophets, they speak for God. And Elder Ballard even said recently, just trust us. Because we, and he was speaking for himself and Elder Oaks, I believe it was, at that face-to-face devotional, we are completely aware of all the apostles and the members of the First Presidency since the dawn of time, I, I knew he was old. I just didn't know he was that old. <laughs> Somebody who used to, what did he used to sell? What was those cars? Edsel's right. You know he's got to have some years on him when he used to have an Edsel dealership. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but when I came to understand that it was, um, people were intentionally and actively deceiving me. Okay, I don't know how to put a fine point on that. Or that is the fine point, maybe. Uh, But they were. And I allowed it to happen. I wanted it to happen because that was what I wanted to hear. But really, I think that what I wanted to know was the truth. And I believe that the LDS Church was the truth, that its leaders were what they claimed to be. Oh, and this is another thing. And then I want to get to safes in offices here for a second because I think that ties in. About... Do you remember what I was just saying, Bill? The anger? Are you paying any attention at all?
4: Yeah, are tr- <laughs>
2: we're, we're trying to sue this 57 years of
0: feeling dis- I'm trying. Yes, I'm trying. And, and I'm going off on all these these tangents. But, but um, yeah, because I uh, they, they tell us that it's true. Okay, so having said all of that, having said all of that, uh, and that's part about the deception. You know, when I joined the church, it's 1978, and there are, it's in Washington state, so there's relatively still a lot of Mormons up there. I mean, it's not Ohio or anything, right? And it's not Salt Lake City, but there's there's quite a few Mormons up there in Washington. And even up there, there were whispers that I heard that there were these documents that uh, the Mormon church kept in a safe, locked away. And that was poo-pooed. See, I would go back and edit that. My P's are horrible. I have to do those multiple times. But yeah, and you know, that was just kind of ridiculous. I mean, that's kind of a silly story, isn't it? That they would actually have documents that they want to keep secret from their members so much they're going to lock them away in a safe and not let anybody see them? Oh my gosh. And then I find out, I mean, I find out a lot of things along the way, this is a slow burn that happens, right? Some people go off like a firecracker. They read the CES letter in one night, and boom. But me, I'm just a slow burn. I'm a 40-year burn. Somebody asked me if it was a slow burn once. I said it it was the slowest burn in the history of slow burns. By the time I smelled the smoke, the house was in ashes. But yeah, then to find out, as I think all of you know, to find out that, crazy as it sounds, actually church leaders did hide documents in their safes, in order to keep the members from finding out about them because they were so compromising. So what sounded like an absolutely ridiculous, incredible rumor spread by anti-Mormons 40 years ago, it was actually, it's the truth. It has happened on at least one documented instance. And that is the opening of Pandora's box. So now once again, getting over here, I'll just speak for myself because I know I have friends a number of friends who feel very angry about the deception. And I'm not saying the deception is okay, because it in no way is okay. It is wrong. And before I get to there, I, I, I work in tangents. I go back and I go forth. But if an institution or a person wants to demand absolutely your heart, your soul, and your blood from you, for your entire life, then I think that at a minimum, they owe you the respect, courtesy, fairness, and honesty of telling you what it is that you're buying into.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Okay, so having said that, here's the deal with me I have been through this. There are times that I have been angry. And I will be angry again. I don't expect that I'm ever going to run out of those times before I hit the grave. Uh, they are less severe and less often than they used to be. I cannot help but think of the road not taken. But I will tell you that Mormonism, for good or ill, has created me. And I have created myself in response to it. I would not be who I am without Mormonism, which is a scary thought probably from either side of the aisle. And ultimately, and at the end of the day, I like who I am. And if I like who I am now, then I prob- so many different things could happen in the course of a life. I could end up being somebody I really don't like. But I do like who I am. I'm comfortable with me in my shoes and Mormonism is what made me me and therefore I have to (sighs) I don't have to do anything but I choose to give Mormonism a little bit of break and I do feel compelled to give them a little bit of credit in creating the person I am today okay so that's about it I don't know it's gonna help anybody's feelings today it's not something that you can just snap your fingers or wave a wand and everything gets better, but that's how I've come to resolve it with myself. Thank you. Yes.
3: <clears throat> RFM. I want to echo the sentiments uh, that my wife expressed uh, in that first question. And just thank you also for allowing me to, to restore my voice. Um, My question is somewhat simple, um, and it's something I've wondered about for a long time. And just very quickly, the reason I'm maybe so interested in this is I I had the opportunity to serve as student body president at both Ricks College, BYU-Idaho, and BYU-Provo. And in that capacity, or maybe because of that, I had occasion to meet with, converse, and, and get to know many of the brethren, including all of the Q15 at the time, and, uh, and I've note Elder Oaks wrote me a letter and invited me to his office, and we spent uh, several hours together. And the question that I've had for the last 20 years is, do the Q15 know about the issues? Are they really aware of these issues? And any facts, anecdotal uh, evidence, or your opinion, would uh, I'm very interested in that.
2: Before you answer, I just want to say we, we discussed this multiple times as we've had our own conversations of do they know?
0: Yes. Do they know? Uh, here's my expectation, okay. <laughs> my expectation is that the leadership of the church, the, the Quorum of the 15, which by the way is a title that plays into their, their interests and not into the memberships, but it is something that has become common, right? They are two separate quorums, one supposed to be above the other, but what the heck? We're among friends. We'll all be 15, we'll all be equal. I did a couple episodes on that a while back. But I think that they are probably, as far as their interests in the church, and I think that the degree to which one knows about these issues has a direct connection to how interested you are in the church. Um, I think that the people who are here in this room probably care more about the church than the vast majority of Mormons. Because you care about the church. If you didn't care about it, you wouldn't study it, you wouldn't learn, you wouldn't go to a symposium, for crying out loud, um, you certainly wouldn't be one at three forty-five on the end of a very nice day out on a Saturday listening to a guy behind a curtain. <laughs> but I do expect that they, they're they're not all um, homogeneous. That so they probably reflect, reflect the different interests that the different members have in the church, which is largely none at all. Um. But there are a couple of exceptions, and one of those has to be Elder Holland. Okay, And the reason I say that is because of the BBC interview. We didn't know this question was coming. These actually are impromptu, unlike a real face-to-face. <laughs> this is a fake face-to-face, so the questions are impromptu. But I think Bill knows what I'm talking about. Bill, this is, one of the, this is like the smartest guy I've ever met. Can you see me pointing over here toward Bill? No, that wasn't a punchline. (laughs) No, he really is. But uh, you remember the BBC interview where uh, Elder Holland is being asked about the book of Abraham. And I can't see if you're nodding, so I'll just plunge ahead. Uh, And go play it if you want to, because uh, he's asked about uh, the papyrus. And he's asked about masonry in the temple. And Elder Holland's responses show that he is not only aware of the issues, but that he has done some thinking about the issues, and he has done enough thinking to come up with nuanced ways of resolving the issues to his satisfaction. What do you think, Bill? That's always what comes out of my mouth next, because when we get together and do a podcast, I'll I'll pontificate for about half an hour, and then I'll say, what do you think, Bill?
2: It, It seems clear that Elder Holland understood the apologetics of the Book of Abraham which tells you, is, as RFM is pointing out, that you have to get to a certain depth of understanding before you know, I don't have a good answer, I know what the problem is, and here's the workaround to get to the next question so I don't have to deal with this problem. Um, and I think it's very telling of where Elder Holland is.
0: So I think he's there, and I don't know, Elder Oaks might be a candidate, it's possible. Um, but I think that the vast majority really don't care. I think Elder Cook was very happy at the, um, the big, uh, well, that was another face-to-face, church wasn't it? face Yeah, Nauvoo. And they had the bright lights outdoors out of the temple, and the bugs were just a pain in that. I could see them flying everywhere. But he was very happy to take all the easy questions, and then he had a couple of token church historians sitting next to him, to whom, by prearranged design, he would lob over the more difficult questions. And then unfortunately, and I think this really was unfortunate, I would have counseled him otherwise, there were a couple of places where the historians were talking about really difficult, sticky, and not-so-pretty aspects of church history, uh, like polygamy. And uh, Elder Cook was kind of over there just laughing his head off at it. Yeah, That didn't seem very empathetic. But, but you know, we all make mistakes. So I guess that was the answer to the question, wasn't it? The question was, do they know? They know. And my, my, my answer is they're probably like every other, all any ward, I think most of them probably don't they probably don't care and there's a few who do. And Elder Holland is definitely one.
3: Thank you RFM and thank yes, you. Yes, you're too.
0: very welcome. Thank you for coming. Does anybody here oh, I'm sorry, is there another question? Yeah, there's more. Oh, okay. Does anybody I just wanted to say this. Does anybody here know what's going on with Kwaku? Yes, he's, the, he's a recording artist formerly known as Quackoo, <laughs> back when I was mispronouncing his name. But, any, but um, no, I, I just found out this morning, I want to give you this update, that not only does he, is he taking off negative comments from his YouTube page, uh, of which there have been a plethora, apparently, but also if you open it up right now and look at the thumbs up and thumbs down signs where it counts the upvotes and the downvotes, he's erased them. Dun, dun, so dun. you have the thumbs up and the thumbs down. Oh, excuse me. Is that still going? Okay. Thumbs up and thumbs down. But if you look above it, there's no numbers anymore. Which makes me think that, what does it make you think, Bill? I don't know. It's kind of strange. My gut would tell me the thumbs down was pretty darn
2: significant.
0: <laughs> I think it was getting significant significant enough to be embarrassing, possibly.
2: It's It's easy to hold your view in a vacuum.
0: Well, but? Okay, so there is another person up here with a question, is that yes. correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah.
7: So, RFM, I'm curious if by some strange circumstance you were on the program at General Conference and you had 20 minutes and a microphone to the entire Mormon community and security, for whatever reason, has fallen asleep.
0: <laughs> well, what? then they'd be like the rest of the audience.
7: Yes. What? It, you have to pick one. What would you say? What would you speak if you had 20 minutes and a microphone to the entire Mormon world? And I would also love, if Bill had a short answer to this, I would love to know Bill's answer, too.
0: I get the long answer, apparently. You only get the short answer. It's, a show. it's a show. But the deal is, my gosh, this is not fair. You get to think while I'm talking. That's right. You go first. Okay. Well, can I just tell you something? Uh, this is where I play for time. That it has often struck me that all the top 15, and assorted general authorities of 70 rank or others, but all the top 15, they get to speak for 15 minutes every six months to the entire membership of the church. And I've talked about this with Bill as well. I mean, if I had the chance, if you had the chance to speak to millions of members every six months where they're practically compelled to be there and listen to what you have to say, I just can't imagine under that circumstance going up there and delivering the same 15 minutes of pablum as everybody else is doing and that you've done yourself for decades. It seems like such a waste of time every time General Conference rolls around. I think that all the people there are scurrying around like ants getting everything ready. They're getting the, 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 the technology, the microphones, they're cleaning up, they're vacuuming, they're doing... And I have no idea all the things that they have to do, but there's got to be a ton of of work that goes into preparing and producing and broadcasting these general conferences. And the flowers, don't forget the flowers. (laughs) But it is just like, I mean, they're going through all this work for what? So that leaders can get up there and say the same things that everybody else knows and that they've heard a hundred times before. Now, there are sometimes a couple of exceptions to that, certainly. And you have to look hard, and you have to stay awake to find them. But really, it's just amazing to me that all that effort goes into something that is, to me at least, so boring. Um, and that was hugely freeing for me. I'm still playing for time if you hadn't noticed so freeing for me to be able just to admit that I found general Conference boring, because you know up to, and this was this is a quite a while ago, uh, because it is. And yet, I know personally, and once again, I'm not going to speak for everybody, but I think there's a lot of Mormons who are going to know what I'm talking about. It was boring, 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 but I needed to be there to be a good Mormon, and then I needed to put on my happy face and say how spiritually fed I was by nothing. Nothing. But I knew what I was supposed to say, and I knew I was supposed to say it because that's what a good Mormon says, and I know that if I'm not feeling the spirit in General Conference, it's my fault. If I think General Conference is boring, it's my fault because I'm not paying enough attention, which kind of gets circular when you start thinking about it for maybe two and a half seconds. But anyway, anyway, what would I say? Uh, So what I've said so far is, that would be a huge thing that I would think really, really hard about. I probably wouldn't give a talk on, I don't know, gee, um the Godhead, unless it was actually a historical discussion of the development of the Godhead from the Book of Mormon up through the lectures on faith, etc. But I think I think that what I would try and focus on would have to do with the individual journey. And, you know, Elder um, 1984, October, yes, it was 1984, it was Elder uh, Pullman. You know, Pullman, Ronald E. Ronald E. Pullman. Ronald E. Pullman. Once again, a boring talk. He, he gave that so boringly. It's part of the job qualifications. <laughs> but Things are so bad that if you give it really boring, then you think you've done a good job because you're like the other general authorities. The first version or the second one? <laughs> Actually, he did them both boring. But but, the, the, but what he talked about in that first one and why it was so objectionable to the church has to do with this. Maybe we'll do a podcast on this sometime, but I think everybody kind of knows, right? The idea is that th- this, uh, the church is a box canyon, and you get stampeded into the box canyon where you can get uh, not shot to bits. We don't have to go totally old western. But basically, that's where you're supposed to stay for the rest of your life and forever is in this box canyon all right, that is the hallmark of a false religious tradition or a false teaching tradition. The reason why is because what is the goal of every teacher? What is the best thing that could ever happen to a teacher as regards any given student they might have? Go beyond. Excel me. Become better than I am. And the reason why is because when a teacher has a student, we got five minutes, Okay, because this is the most important part I'll be talking about. When a teacher has a student that excels them, that teacher wants to keep that student and say, don't go to a better uh, teacher. Don't go out and learn anything more. You need to stay with me, and I will keep you under my wing. You will reflect well on me. And, of course, now I'm being sarcastic, right? That's not what a good teacher does. Let's put it in terms of... uh, Kung Fu, the old TV show. Anybody here old old enough to see that? What happens at the end of the opening episode of every single episode with Master Po and Kwai Chang Kane? What does Master Po say? Well, it has to do with snatch the pebble from my hand. Then it will be time for you to Go. Because in any religious system, that's worth being a religious system. In my opinion, once again, I'm just a guy with a microphone sitting behind a sheet. <laughs> Every religious system has something to teach. Mormonism has something to teach its members. Every religious system has something to teach its members. The problem comes when that person, that member, that acolyte, that quiet Chang cane, has learned everything that the teacher has to teach. And what does a teacher do then? Do they keep you at the Shaolin temple forever walking on rice paper and not leaving footsteps and snatching that pebble from master Po's hand a million and three freaking times <laughs> until he can do it in his sleep and until he's actually drooling at the mouth because it's so easy by this point or does master Poe and the system say you've learned everything that we have to teach you now is the time for you to go so that you can continue to grow and continue to learn and continue to develop. I think the fundamental problem from my point of view with Mormonism is that it has kind of turned that on its head. And even though people cannot continue to develop past a certain point, and it's not even really that high a point, once you get past it, you realize it's not that high a point. Um, But they want to keep you there. And they want to keep telling you that as long as you keep checking the boxes and running on the gerbil wheel... And doing all the little things that you're supposed to do, that somehow that's progression. When I, it's not, I'm sorry?
2: sorry. go ahead. I just said yeah.
0: Yeah, when, when it's not, it's it's captivity, and it's it's a, when you can see it for what it is, uh, or at least it, if you see it the way I see it, uh, yeah, that's not that's not progression. That's captivity in the name of progression. And it is amazing to me how many Mormons came up to me after seeing the Disney film Tangled and said, oh my God, the mother's the church.
7: (laughs) My my follow-up RFM as a listener is that you need to give this talk and you need to traverse the history of how we went from someone as individualistic as Joseph Smith and how we over time lost common consent lost individuality you know in for obedience and how now all our talks are all about obedience and I you know as your as your list as one of your listeners you you need to give that talk
0: give that talk okay I will do that I will do that it's it's kind of um yeah I think I've got the the basic building blocks already I'll just buy this tape, which I encourage all of you to, at the, the front desk, and, and I'll, I'll play it back. We've got about five minutes left. I'll just quickly say I would reduce my disciplinary,
2: the things I said there, down to the cliff notes.
5: Okay, I have a light question. I really love the name of your podcast, Radio
4: Free Mormon. How did you come up with that idea to name it?
0: Holy Ghost. <laughs>
4: Sorry, if that was an obvious answer.
0: No, Holy Holy Ghost is the Mormon version. I sometimes use the Greek version. I just say my muse works overtime, and I came up with the title for this podcast about three years before starting the podcast because I just thought that is. It just came to me one night. I woke up. I said, "Wendy, get out of bed. I need to write something down." <laughs> And she went outside and she locked the door and, you know, a couple hours later I came out with Radio Free Mormon. (laughs) So so we've
2: we've got about like three or four minutes left, right? Five. Got a good five minutes. So we'll try to get a couple more questions in.
6: Uh, So first off, thanks for everything you've done and helping me open my mind to the truth um, that's there. Uh, Question is, you've spent 40 years in Mormonism. Uh, It sounds like you've got a full-time calling um, doing this podcast, um, why do you keep on doing it and
0: spending this energy on the church? The money. <laughs> <laughs> no. no let, me, uh, uh, let me try and actually do that uh, a little bit better. Because uh, the money, you know, it's not substantial, but it's very much appreciated. Okay. Okay. Very much appreciated. I am in no way even close to quitting my day job, as the saying goes. But I feel a passion about it. And so let, let me let me say a couple of things, okay? First is this. I try not to say, maybe I'll fall into it, but I try not to say the church is not true or this is not true or that is true because it's so subjective. Immediately we get into realms that are subjective. Uh, reasonable people can differ. And it doesn't seem to me to promote the conversation very far. Instead, what I try and say with regard to the church is, uh, Is the church is not what it claims to be? I think that is something that is very defensible as a claim and can be argued uh, effectively. And actually, I think that's what entire my entire series of podcasts is basically doing is trying to argue that point. Um, Now, this question:
2: Why do you still do the podcast?
0: Damn! Why do I still do the podcast? yeah why why care why
2: I care about why got it
0: going? It is a funny thing, isn't it? It is a funny thing. Why are you here? Is, I'm sorry that's what I think why are, Why are all of you here? Why are all of us here for crying out loud? Uh, I don't know. Uh, all I know is this, and I want to share this with you. we got three minutes four, four minutes okay is that one of the things that I found so frustrating about my journey through Mormonism is that I, let me say this once again, because there might be one or two of you who haven't heard it. When I joined the church, the members of the church were encouraged to be scriptorians, to learn the scriptures backward and forward, inside and out, be another Bruce R. McConkie. And I took the at their word. I spent the next 40 years doing exactly that, only to find out they didn't really mean it. They didn't really mean it. They thought they meant it, but they didn't really know what it was they were saying. So I have gone through all of this, and I think most of you, probably everybody in this room has done a similar thing. Studying, learning. And the great frustration I had in attending church was that the gospel of Jesus Christ, by which I mean the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, by which I mean Mormonism, It was one of the most fascinating things I had ever encountered in my entire life. It fired my interest, my imagination, my enthusiasm, and all the offshoots. I mean, my gosh, why on earth would I have studied the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, church history? Why would I have studied the Old Testament, the New Testament? And I'm talking about other scholarship outside Mormonism. By the way, when that happened, boy, that was like a whole world opening up. Why would I have you know, studied Egyptology for crying out loud if it weren't for Mormonism? Mormonism touches on so many strange things. And if you start following it out, you start studying it. Okay, I found it fascinating. And one of the things that when I went to church and I heard other people give the correlated uh, talking points that we heard all the time, I felt it was a disservice to what I consider to be the most fascinating subject under the, on the face of the earth to treat it in such a disrespectful and cavalier way. And we're going to close here, but I'm just going to say that uh, then I started opening my mouth and saying a few things only to find out that really uh, nobody was interested in hearing what I had to say. There were a few, but not enough, not enough to make a groundswell. Sometimes I would, I would say to myself, uh, you know, go to church today, make a comment, because there may be somebody else out there in the audience or in the congregation who's looking for uh, some kind of a flair in the night, just to know that somebody else is out there. And after a while, I think I ran out of flares. It became very obvious to me that the church was not interested in what I had to say, or they wanted me to sit there, they wanted to have my my butt in the pew, but they wanted me to be silent. And the church does to its members, and it's infantilizing of them. This is the closing line, by the way. And it's infantilizing of church members. It does the old joke about what happens with kids when parents have kids, right? You spend the first six years of their life teaching them how to walk and how to talk, and you spend the next 12 years telling them to sit down and shut up. <laughs> okay, that's
2: it, I think. Is that it? Yeah. So One more question? Yeah. Jackson, can you ask it in like a yes or no?
6: Yeah, No, that's basically Yes what or means. no would be great. Yeah, so you already addressed it. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that you believe that reasonable people can disagree with each
0: other. Um, is that Jackson Washburn? It is.
6: It is. Are you a
0: Kwaku fan?
6: Well, I am a friend of Quaku, but then again, I'm a friend of a lot of people that probably don't like each other.
0: I like Quaku. I hope you'll, you, when you see him next, you'll pass along my fondest regards. Right. Um... <laughs> Um, I'm being serious. Why is it when I'm serious people think I'm being funny?
6: No. Um, so with, with, with that, do you apply that to believing active members as well uh, who approach these uh, historical issues in critical ways but still come out with their testimony
0: intact and their allegiance to the church intact? Okay. I was making a lot of cracks in there. You're talking about reasonableness?
6: Right. Is that a valid path to you?
0: Oh, absolutely. Oh, and I'm glad you asked this question, Jackson. I really am. Because I am open to... Paths, my gosh! When I was in, on my mission in Japan, I'm sorry. We know we got uh, We just hated the Japanese who would come up to us and they would say, you know, religion is like Mount Fuji. You take your way, I'll take my way, and eventually we'll both get to the top. That is not a saying that a Mormon missionary likes to hear, because no, there's only one way to the top, lady, and it's Mormonism. Okay, this isn't Mount Fuji we're talking about. It's Mount Everest. We want to go high. We want to go to the top, but. Now that I am past that phase, I think that everybody has their journey. I do not want to impose my beliefs on anybody else. And actually, even before you raised this question, Jackson, before I even knew you were here, I hope you heard some of that and some of the things I said. Caveat saying, you know, this is for me, not for everybody else. I respect people's journey. And not only that, I think that their journey can be right for them, even though it is not right for me. If Mormonism makes you happy... If that is what is your thing, if you like it, uh, I would not dream of trying to dissuade you from it.
6: I appreciate hearing that. Thank you. Beautiful.
0: Okay. Maybe that's a good note to end on. Are, are we revealing this? No. This has been a big back and forth that Bill Reel and I have been having about whether to do a reveal of me. And I don't know. I think the problem... Should we cheer to find out if we want to reveal? Who is that?
2: That was who we went to lunch with, that was Trace.
0: Oh, I thought it was Sam Young for a second. I thought, what the hell is he doing in my room? I thought he was supposed to be giving a talk down the hall. Okay. uh, you want to take a vote? Take a vote. Whoa. Here we go. Taking down the laundry, folks. That'll be up on Facebook within an hour. Thank you for doing that. You're very, very welcome. By the way, any members of the SCMC present? We've got some lovely, we've got some lovely party gifts. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you for coming out. I really, really appreciate you. This has been a wonderful time for me. Thank you. That's about all for tonight. Until next time. This is Radio Free Mormon, signing off the air.